Hello, and welcome to the Mormon History Podcast. Episode 9, The Apostolic Age, Part 2 When we left off, Saul had just witnessed the martyrdom of Stephen. According to Acts, there was a great persecution in Jerusalem against the Church of Christ. The the disciples were scattered from Jerusalem to live in Judea and Samaria. While devotees buried Stephen and lamented his passing, Saul made haste to wreak havoc on the church. He would personally go from from house to house, ordering the arrest of believers. The missionary effort of the church leaders shifted from Jerusalem to other parts of the Holy Land. Philip, one of the seven assistants to the apostles, who was called at the same time as Stephen, went to Samaria and preached the gospel of, of Christ working miracles as he did so. In that same city, there was a sorcerer named Simon, known today as Simon Magus. He bewitched the people of Samaria, giving himself great power and fame. But when Philip arrived in Samaria and became famous, he was taking away the spotlight from Simon Magus. Instead of becoming an enemy to Philip and the disciples, Simon joined them to be baptized. Peter and John heard about the growth of the church in Samaria and visited the city to give the new converts the gift of the Holy Ghost. Simon Magus saw the great power of Peter that Peter and John had. He offered them money in, in exchange for ordination to the priesthood, so that he might have the same power that Peter and John had. Peter rebuked Simon, telling him that the power of God is not to be purchased. Simon immediately humbled himself and asked for forgiveness. Peter and John, after finishing their work in Samaria, returned to Jerusalem, where the other apostles remained despite intense persecution. Meanwhile, Philip was visited by an angel who told him to travel to Gaza. Philip obeyed and traveled through the desert. In Gaza, he met an Ethiopian man, a eunuch under the authority of Candace, queen of Ethiopia. He was her treasure bearer. Presumably, this Ethiopian eunuch was a Jew, for he traveled to Jerusalem from uh, to Jerusalem to worship. He had been in his chariot reading parts of the book of Isaiah that would be uh, in what would become the, the Old Testament. The spirit whispered to Philip to go to, to the man in the chariot. He asked the Ethiopian eunuch if he understood the Isaiah passages. The eunuch replied that he could not without a guide. Philip accepted the eunuch's invitation to sit with him in the chariot. After the eunuch read the scriptures aloud, he asked Philip which prophet the passage was referring to. In the passage, Isaiah spoke messianically, meaning that he was speaking of the Messiah. Philip explained to the eunuch that the scripture referred to Jesus Christ, the sheep who was led to the slaughter, who who did not open his mouth. Philip and the eunuch rode along in the chariot and passed a body of water. The eunuch turned to Philip and asked him what was preventing him from being baptized in the water. Philip responded, If you believe with all your heart, you may be baptized. The eunuch told Philip that he believed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. He then stopped the chariot and the two went into the water, where Philip baptized the Ethiopian eunuch. As soon as the ordinance was performed, it was time for Philip to depart. The scriptures say that the Spirit of the Lord caught him away. Whether this means he was literally transported to another place, or if it simply means that the Spirit told Philip to leave, it is not clear. It depends on how you want to interpret the scriptures. The eunuch rejoiced in his baptism and never saw Philip again. 
Philip was next found in Azotus, known as Ashdod, a port in modern-day Israel. He preached in every city along the way to Caesarea. Saul was certainly responsible for the deaths of believers. In chapter 9, it suggests this in the first verse. It reads, And yet, quote, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest. End quote. Later, in the 26th chapter, Saul, renamed Paul, confessed, quote, Which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from their chief priests. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. End quote. Saul was a great enemy of the Church of Christ. Following the events of Stephen's trial and martyrdom, Saul was delivering some incriminating letters that would result in the imprisonment and possibly the execution of any believers, extraditing them to Jerusalem. As he approached Damascus, he saw a pillar of light descend from heaven. He was shocked and fell to the earth. This was followed by a voice, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? When Saul asked who it was who was speaking, the voice replied, quote, I am Jesus, who the, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. End quote. According to an LDS New Testament manual, a prick refers to a goad, which is a sharp spear or stick used to poke animals to make them move ahead. Rather than move forward, stubborn animals sometimes kick back to retaliate, literally kicking against the pricks. Such a reaction only adds distress as the animal incurs more painful prompting from its master. The Savior is making clear that if Saul continues to fight against him, he will only bring distress upon himself. In Greek literature, kicking against the pricks is a well-known metaphor for opposing deity. End quote. Very afraid by this point, Saul asked the voice of Christ what he, should have, what he would have him do. The voice told him to go to Damascus, and he would receive further instruction. The light disappeared, and the voice spoke no more. Saul's traveling companions were also afraid. Speechless, in fact, as they had heard the voice. They helped Saul up, but were even more surprised to find that Saul had gone blind. They took him to Damascus, where he spent three days without eating or drinking. In that same city, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord appeared to him in a vision, and commanded him to find Saul. Ananias was unsure of this, and he told the Lord that he knew how evil Saul was, and how much suffering he had caused. The Lord then said to Ananias, quote, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. End quote. This was a prophecy that presumably stunned Ananias, but he obeyed the voice of his master. He found the house in which Saul was staying and laid his hands upon Saul's head. Brother Saul, he said, The Lord, even that Jesus who appeared unto thee in the, in the, the way that, as thou camest, hath sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Immediately sight was returned to Saul's eyes and he asked to be baptized. After regaining his strength, Saul began to preach in the synagogues of Christ that he was the Son of God. Those who heard him were amazed, asking each other, Wasn't he the one who was persecuting those who called on Jesus' name? The scriptures say that Saul increased in strength and confounded the Jews at Damascus, proving that Jesus was the Christ. The Jews decided it was time for Saul to go. They plotted to kill him. They prepared to ambush him at the city gate. The conspiracy was revealed to Saul, and he had the disciples lower him down over the wall in a basket by night. 
Saul then journeyed to Jerusalem to join the disciples, but they were afraid of him. Barnabas, who was baptized in the last episode, led Saul to the apostles, where his story, the story of his conversion was told. From then on, Saul joined the apostles in their journeyings. He was a powerful teach, preacher, and at one point disputed with a group of Greeks who decided to kill him. The apostles knew this and took Saul to Caesarea to send him to his hometown of Tarsus to preach the gospel. Meanwhile, the church in Judea, Galilee, and Samaria grew and grew. While Saul, with Saul and Tarsus, Peter journeyed to Lydda, known, as, known today as Lod, a city 15 kilometers, or 9.3 miles, southeast of modern Tel Aviv. There he found a man named Aeneas, who had been paralyzed for eight years. Peter healed him in front of a rather large audience. So that reportedly, quote, all those who dwelt at Lydda and Sauron saw him and turned, on, turned to the Lord. In nearby Joppa, disciples quickly summoned Peter to an upper chamber in which the body of a woman named Tabitha, or Dorcas, lay. Peter convinced all those that were in the room, grieving, to leave him alone with the body. He knelt down and prayed. Then he said, Tabitha, arise. When she opened her eyes and saw Peter, she sat up. Peter took Tabitha by the hand and presented her to her friends and family. As a result, many in Joppa believed in Christ. Peter spent many days in Joppa, living with Simon, a tanner, and one day Peter was praying on the roof when he fell into a trance. In his vision, the heavens opened and he saw a great sheet lowered down to the earth, which held all manner of beasts, creeping things, and fowls of the air. A voice told Peter to kill the animals and eat them, for he was very hungry. Peter refused, for none of the animals presented to him were lawful to eat under Jewish law. Then the voice, which was the voice of Christ, said, quote, What God hath cleansed, thou can call not thou common. End quote. This vision repeated itself twice more, and the sheep was raised back up into heaven. Peter was having trouble understanding the vision when the Spirit whispered to him that three men were seeking him, that he should go with them. Sure enough, when Peter came downstairs, he found three men asking for him. He asked them why they had come. They explained that they were sent by a Roman centurion named Cornelius, who lived in Caesarea. He was a kind, faithful, and charitable man. He had, a, he had had a vision of an angel, which had told him to send for Peter, giving him the exact location where Peter was staying. So the next morning, Peter and some of his brethren from Joppa followed the three servants to their master Cornelius' house in Caesarea. Cornelius was waiting for them, and gathered together his friends and family to hear from the apostle. When Cornelius met Peter, he bowed. Peter told him to stand up. Quote, I myself am also a man, end quote, he said. Peter reminded the gathered crowd of Romans that it was not lawful for a Jew to be in their company. Perhaps it was then that the significance of Peter's vision the day before was given. He then said, quote, But God hath shewed me that I should not call any man common or unclean, end quote. Peter listened as Cornelius explained the visit of the angel. Peter remarked that, quote, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he, hath, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. End quote. After a brief sermon in which Peter taught the ministry of John the Baptist and Jesus Christ, including Christ's death and resurrection, 
and the mission of the apostles, the Holy Ghost was felt by all those who heard Peter speak. The gift of the Holy Ghost was given to those Gentiles, something that had never been done before. They spoke with tongues and magnified God. Then Peter baptized them, the first Gentile converts in the church of Jesus Christ. News of the conversion of Cornelius and his house soon reached Judea. Peter traveled to Jerusalem, where he was converted, confronted by Jewish disciples. He explained the vision he, that he had, that, Jesus, that Christ had commanded him, that all, even the Gentiles, should receive the gospel through baptism and through the Holy Ghost. At the same time as Saul's conversion and Peter's visit to Cornelius, the gospel was preached to the Jews in Phoenice, or Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. Some converts from, Cy from Cyprus and Cyrene traveled to Antioch to preach to the Greeks. Many were baptized due to these efforts. When the apostles heard of this, this success, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Barnabas preached for a while in Antioch before going to Tarsus to find Saul to bring him to Antioch. For a whole year, Barnabas and Saul ministered to the people there. It was there that the disciples were called by the name they would forever after be referred to as Christians. Around that time, a prophet named Agabus traveled from Jerusalem to Antioch, warning of a great famine that would affect the entire Holy Land in the days of the, Holy, of the Roman Emperor, Claudius. The famine came to pass, and the Church of Jesus Christ, under the supervision of the Apostles, began a great relief effort. Barnabas and Saul played a huge part in transporting relief from Antioch to Judea, where the famine was apparently the worst. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute the church. He arrested James Zebedee, brother of John. James was executed by the sword. He was the first apostle to become a martyr. The Jews were delighted by the ex execution, which encouraged Herod to take Peter prisoner too. This was during the time of the Passover in Israel. Because Peter and the apostles had a knack for escaping from locked prisons, Herod took some extra procedures to ensure that Peter would remain locked up. He had Peter sleep between two Roman soldiers chained to them. There were also guards keeping watch over the door of the cell. Herod intended to kill Peter after the Passover ended, just in time for Easter. That night an angel came to Peter, shining a light into the prison. He smote Peter on the side, possibly to wake him up, and told him to get up. Peter's chains were loosed and fell from his hands. Peter thought he was having a vision when he followed the angel out of the cell. He didn't realize the angel was actually escorting him from the prison. It was only when the angel led Peter to a street away from the prison and disappeared when Peter realized the actuality of his miraculous escape. He immediately went to the house of Mary, mother of John Mark, where a group of Christians were praying. A girl named Rhoda answered the door, but when she heard Peter's voice, she ran back inside, claiming that Peter's spirit had come. Peter, bewildered, continued to knock until someone let him in. Those gathered were astonished to see him alive and free. He told the disciples of the angel and told them to tell what happened to James and the brethren. This could mean James the Just, or the brother of Jesus, or James the Lesser, one of the apostles. The soldiers who were supposed to be guarding Peter were shocked to see when he was missing. Herod put these soldiers to death after discovering that they had failed in their duty to keep Peter under lock and key. Herod then traveled to Caesarea and abode there. One day he was giving a speech, and the people cried out, quote, it, is, it is the voice of a god, not of a man. End quote. 
An angel of the Lord, possibly invisible to the gathered crowd, smote Herod. The record says that he was eaten of worms and died. Herod Agrippa was brother-in-law and nephew to Herod Antipas, who caused the death of John the Baptist and was involved in the trial of Jesus. According to Josephus, Herod Agrippa died in 44 AD. This means that at this point in the narrative, more than 10 years have passed since Jesus ascended into heaven, leaving his church in the hands of the apostles. Looking back, I would like to clear up some of the jumps in time. Saul spent a couple years in Damascus, possibly Arabia, before he was taken to Jerusalem. Four or five years passed from time to time, from the time he was sent to Tarsus to the time he was led by Barnabas to Antioch. Saul and Barnabas were in Antioch for about a year. Their return to Jerusalem more or less coincides with the martyrdom of James. Despite this renewed persecution of the church by Herod and the Jews, the church grew and thrived. Barnabas and Saul left Jerusalem and took John Mark with them. They traveled to Antioch, where there were prophets and teachers. Along with Saul and Barnabas, there were Simon Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, and Menaean. The latter three laid their hands on the heads of Saul and Barnabas under the direction of the Holy Ghost and set them apart for a missionary journey. Saul and Barnabas then traveled to Seleucia then tra and then sailed to the island of Cyprus. They preached the gospel in Salamis and Paphos. They came across a sorcerer named Bar-Jesus. They became fast enemies. When Saul and Barnabas tried to convert the deputy of Cyprus, Sergius Paulus, Bar-Jesus, known as Elimus, tried to interfere and turn Sergius Paulus away from the gospel. Saul, who was at this point taking on the name of Paul, rebuked Bar-Jesus, cursing him and carrying, causing him to be blind. Sergius Paulus saw this and believed Paul. Paul and his group of missionaries left Paphos for Perga in Pamphylia. John Mark left Paul and Barnabas to return to Jerusalem. Paul and Barnabas, too, left Perga in southwest Anatolia for Antioch of Pisidia, which is not the same as the city of Antioch in the Levant where the Christians were first named. This city is located north, northeast of Perga in Anatolia. It was a Sabbath day, so the missionaries were, went to a synagogue. The rabbi opened, the, and read, opened and read from the law and the prophets, then opened the synagogue up to exhortation from the people. Paul stood up and began to preach, giving an overview of Jewish history, the Exodus, the Forty-Year Wanderings, the Conquest of Canaan, the Reign of the Judges, David's rule over Israel, and the preaching of John the Baptist. Then he taught about the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. After his preaching, Paul was asked by some Gentiles to preach to them next on the next Sabbath. Paul and Barnabas gained many Jewish followers. The next Sabbath, the whole city flocked to hear their missionary, the missionaries' words. There were some Jews who didn't like this, all this Jesus talk, and they were jealous of Paul and Barnabas' success. The Jews spoke out against the missionaries, who then decided to publicly turn away from teaching the Jews towards teaching the Gentiles, who were happy to hear the Christian message. Despite their grand success, Paul and Barnabas were forced away from the region after the militant Jews stirred up persecution. Paul and Barnabas shook off the dust of their feet against those Jews, condemning them before God, and went east to Iconium, near modern Konya, Turkey. 
Paul and Barnabas had great joy in Iconium because they had gained a great number of followers. Once again, the belligerent Jews divided the city between the apostles and themselves. There was a movement among the, both the Jews and Gentiles to kill the missionaries. They became aware of this and fled to Lystra and Derbe in Lyconia, south of Iconium. In Lystra, the apostles healed a man crippled from birth, who never walked. This miracle was witnessed by a great many people, who declared that Paul and Barnabas were actually the gods Mercurius and Jupiter, respectively. The local priest of Jupiter even worshipped the two Christians. Paul and Barnabas ripped their clothes and said, quote, We are also men of like passions with you, and preach unto you that ye should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things therein. Around that time, Jews followed the apostles from Antioch and Iconium and convinced people of Lystra to stone Paul to death. They were successful in attacking Paul, but they did not kill him. He was almost nearly dead and unconscious when he was taken away from the city. Surrounded by his disciples, Paul arose and returned to Lystra, only to take Barnabas by the hand and make flight to Derby. They baptized many in Derby and returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, leaving groups of disciples in their wake. They ordained elders to every church they established and also set apart leaders to govern these churches. After completing their first missionary journey in Anatolia, Paul and Barnabas sailed to Antioch in the Levant and told everyone of their success, saying that they had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. That's it for today. Next time we will continue to examine the missions of Paul and the other apostles, beginning with the Great Conference at Jerusalem. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out our Facebook page and our blog, www.mhistorypod.com. If you have any questions, shoot me a message on Facebook via the Mormon History Podcast. Also, feel free to email me at mhistorypod at gmail.com for comments or questions. Also, please leave a rating on whatever site or app that you're using. Thanks again. This has been the Mormon History Podcast.